Welcome to City Harvest Sermon Podcast. Coming up is a word from Pastor Aris Zuganayan. We are right now in the period of Lent, and this is actually the period before Easter. And just like Advent is the season of hope that prepares us for Christmas, Lent is the season of spiritual discipline that is leading up towards Easter. Now, church, during this season of Lent, this period of Lent, it is a time that all of us as Christians need to learn to practice reflection. Somebody say with me, reflection. It is so that you and I can recognize the impact of Jesus Christ's life, His death, His burial, and His resurrection upon our life. How many of you know, church, that what Jesus has done for us on the cross is the power and the grace for you and I to live a victorious Christian life on this earth. And to do that, you need to take some time to reflect upon it, internalize it until the Word becomes incarnated inside and around our life. Who can say amen? Now, to do that, throughout Lent, most Christians, therefore, adopt a period of fasting, a period of prayer, and a period of sanctification and consecration so that they can draw nearer to God. And this spiritual of fasting, right, or the giving up something, help us to build the fruit of self-control. This fruit of self-control is necessary so that you and I can learn how to crucify our flesh, to die to our flesh, in order to be alive towards the things of the Holy Spirit. Church, God wants us to be more sensitive to what He is saying into our life. He wants us to know what He wants to do in our life. But more importantly, as you are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, God will lead you towards spiritual formation. That you will experience the fullness of God's love and that you can live towards characteristic like Jesus Christ. And God wants to bring inner transformation within you so that you, from the inside out, can become more and more like Jesus. How many of you can say amen? And that is the purpose of us becoming more alive to the things of the Holy Spirit. That's why Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, walk by the Spirit. Why? So that you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And this is what I want to explore with you today, this morning, Sunday morning service. So, to begin with, I want to ask you a very simple question. Do you know what was the first act of sin committed by mankind? Okay? Do you know what was the first act of sin committed by mankind? We all know the first sin committed was the sin of disobedience. But how was that sin committed? Many of you would know the first sin that was committed by mankind was by eating. <laughs> was by eating. Right, turn to your neighbor and tell them, watch what you eat. Hallelujah, right? 
Now, it happened here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 7. The serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. But friends, how many of you know it is only half truth? Knowing good and evil alone is not enough. It is more important for us to also know how to have the power to choose good over evil. Who can say amen? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. That's why wives, please be careful what you give to your husband. What you feed your husband with. And the eyes of the both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You see, church, like Eve, God created us with a hunger within. And that hunger can be in, a form, in the form of emotional hunger, a psychological hunger, a spiritual hunger, or a hunger inside us for meaning, for reasoning. Friends, all this hunger that God created us inside requires consumption in order to be satisfied. This hunger that is inside us needs to be satisfied. Eve had cravings because she saw the fruit as good for food. How many of you know that all of us have cravings as well? We all like to taste good things. We would like to experience nice and pleasurable things. That's why many of us Singaporeans, right, once you have cravings, there is no stopping. Even though you guys stay in Pasiris, you're willing to brace through the traffic jam at Causeway for four hours or six hours yesterday just to fulfill your JB cravings. Now, Eve also had desires. Church, how many of you know it is okay for us to have desires? She desires for nice things. For she saw the fruit, it was pleasing to the eye. That is why once you have your own house, you will want to renovate it in such a way that it is nice to see and nice to live in. Who can say amen? And she had aspirations. For she imagined that by eating the fruit, she could be wise. Now that is why all of us during examination period time would consume more chicken essence than ever. Why? Because you imagine by drinking chicken essence, somehow your brain will be transformed into a sponge and it can absorb one week of studying versus one full year of missing classes. You imagine that by drinking chicken essence, suddenly you will become smart. Friends, why? Because you have aspirations. You have aspiration to want to do well in examination. Church, you must know that Eve possessed cravings, desires, aspirations within her, even before she ate of the fruit. 
and committed sin against God. This means all these are part of God's design for us as human beings. Who can say amen? It is only natural for us to have cravings, to have desires, and to have aspirations. The problem is, what kind of food do you eat to fulfill them? What kind of food do you use to fulfill those hungers? Go back again to Genesis. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, particularly the fruit from the tree that is in the middle, don't touch it or else you will die. Who can say amen? You see, church, the kind of food you eat to fulfill your cravings, your desires and your aspirations matters greatly. It matters greatly. Why is it that it matters? Because it can affect your appetite. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. Spiritual appetite. What you eat can affect your appetite. That's why if you are a parent here, right, you will tell your children when it is time nearer to dinner, you will tell them, please don't eat potato chips before dinner. Why? Because it can, it can ruin your appetite. It can spoil your appetite towards the dinner later. You know what, church? It's the same with all of us. And you know what? The moment Adam and Eve ate the wrong fruit, it ruined their appetite towards God. It ruined their appetite towards spiritual matters. You know what John Piper said this? Whether it be the cravings of our stomachs, the passionate desire for possessions or power, or the longings of our spirit for God, our physical hunger of worldly, perishable things should point us to a deeper, higher level of spiritual hunger of godly, eternal matters. You know what, church? Appetite determines the direction of our life. If you have a healthy appetite, and if your appetite is geared towards healthy food, then obviously, after the service is over, you will head towards salad stop for your lunch instead of going to fast food outlets. If your appetite is towards healthy food, when you choose your dishes, right, in a restaurant, you will choose uh, fish instead of chakwitiao. Church, our appetite directs our life, right? It determines where we go. It determines the direction of our spiritual life as well. Let me illustrate this point to you. You know what? At the beginning of this year, I was invited to preach in Malang, Indonesia. And they wanted me to preach six times in a day. So as such, to beef me up for the weekend, they knew that I needed strength. So they immediately brought me to all the various wonderful food that can be found in Malang. The moment I arrived in the evening, they brought me to this stall that is open only from 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. because they serve the best squid dish rice. And they offer one of the best chicken satay with their savory peanut sauce 
and wonderful ketchup manis. Subsequently, I was introduced also to the city's best soto. It is called Soto Lombok. It is so, it is so nice because in, at night when it is so cold, this soup, the beef broth, mixed with rice and together with the tenderness of the beef, of the meat, and with all the vegetable put inside it. You know what? As you eat it, as you drink of the soup, ah, it warms the cockles of my heart. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> and then, I was brought to the city's best rawon soup in their famous Javanese restaurant. They also let me taste their famous mixed tofu dish. And this one, the best shoba noodle. Hallelujah, right? The best sauro noodle that I've ever tasted in Malang. But I can tell you this, City Harvest Church, the best one of all was this unassuming place called Depo Santai. Literally means the place of relaxation. It is a 50-year-old Chinese restaurant that is located in a house garage. It reminded me of Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, how they started Microsoft and Apple. You know what? The place is so unassuming. But when the dish starts coming, I tell you, my life was completely transformed. <laughs> because when I tasted their red nasi goreng, red fried rice, you know what, Singapore? We all boast about our nice fried rice, yang chow fried rice. Okay, right? Egg fried rice. I tell you, you have never tasted the real fried rice. <laughs> this is the real fried rice. It is called the red fried rice, only found in Indonesia. See, some of you are already calling grab food already. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> I can hear the phone ringing. You guys are calling the grab food already. Red fried rice. And you know what? The next dish, Fuyung Hai or Fuyung Tan. Their boneless chicken sweet sauce. I tell you, every single dish was so liberating. It was so delicious, I died and was immediately resurrected again. <laughs> and I can tell you this, after I went to this restaurant, I gave every dish a 9.5 upon 10. That is my rating over here. You can find it in Google. Hallelujah, right? 9.5 upon 10. Okay, right? And I can tell you, after those meals, I preach six times like a man on fire. Hallelujah. <laughs> but the next day, I returned to Singapore. And during dinner time at home, my wife usually serves his ho her home cooked meal that is supposed to be healthier. And usually it is cooked with fresh oil and fresh ingredients. And I usually enjoy those dishes that my wife cooked at home. But this time round, it's funny. Because when I come back, when I look at those dishes, and when she asks me, do you want to have dinner tonight? My normal, usually home-cooked meal that is supposed to be healthier, that is cooked in fresh oil, fresh ingredients. Do you want to eat those dishes? You know what, church? I'm shocked. 
Because when I look at the food, I had no appetite. I lost all my appetite towards home-cooked meal. The dish at home that is supposed to be healthier for me, fresher and better for me, in comparison to the food in Malang, no longer appeals to me anymore. Now, I want to ask you, Singaporeans, you guys are foodies, right? What do you think is the difference between the food in Malang versus the food at home that caused me to lose my appetite? What do you think? It's a three-letter word. MSG, that's right. And guys, you must know, MSG does not stand for monosodium glutamide. MSG stands for the most sinful ingredient. The reason why I lost my appetite towards healthier food, fresher food, is because of the MSG. The MSG has ruined my appetite for healthy food. What seems to be fresh and better for me has lost its appeal because now my appetite was ruined and directed towards more MSG-laden, sauce-heavy, and cooked in recycled oil kind of food. Church, what is true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. Just like how MSG can ruin our natural appetite, it can also ruin our spiritual appetite. And we become like the children of Israel who complain to Moses all the time. In Numbers 11 verse 5 and 6, they complain, Moses, we remember the fish which we ate in Egypt. Dear, I remember the soto I ate in Malang. For nothing. I remember the cucumbers, right? The rawon and the melons, the bami, the shoba, and the leeks. Okay, right? You know, the satay and the onions, the squid dish, and the garlic, the nasi goreng in Dipo Santai. I remember, the, I remember them all. But now when I look at your food, I look at your food that is cooked out of love, that is made out of love for me, that is supposed to be fresher, that is supposed to be better for me, I look at your food like what the children of Israel said, now I have lost my appetite. And I complain, there is nothing at all except this manner to look at. Church, do you see how much they insulted God's food? Manner, which is food given to us by God, straight come from heaven, delivery from heaven, no longer appeal to us anymore. Our appetite towards heavenly food has been ruined because of Egyptian or carnal food. You know what, church? Jesus is no longer enough for me. Jesus must be plus MSG. Jesus must be added sauce. Jesus must add uh, other ingredients so that I want to consume Him, so that I want to eat it. And you know what? A spiritual appetite that is ruined will always complain that Jesus is never enough. And then when you come to church, right? It will always be the same. The value will carry on into your spirituality. You come to church, you are not satisfied with the church only have prayer, praise, 
worship and simple sermon. Now, you need to be entertained. You need to add MSG. You need to have fireworks. In order for you to feel, wow, what a great sermon today. What a great service today. You're no longer satisfied with just us singing simple song. You're no longer satisfied if the lights today are not shining brighter as ever. You are complaining all the time because to you, your spiritual appetite has been ruined and you only want Jesus with MSG. In your spiritual life, it's the same. You're not enough experiencing the love of God. You want the love of God plus His blessing. Because if there is no blessing to add into the love of God, you will say, this Jesus is not attractive enough. I have lost my appetite towards Jesus. What happened? What have we become? Because probably you and I have been eating the wrong kind of food. That is why probably we feel lackluster or disinterested towards spiritual matters. We complain that the service is too simple. We complain that the sermon is too deep. It's too inside. It's too inner transformation kind. Huh? Again, silence and solitude. Ah. You know, I don't want silence and solitude. Enough already. I want noise and action. I want to change the world. I want to go into all the world. Now church, this is good. But you must know, it must be balanced with a healthy spiritual appetite towards Jesus for yourself. How many of you can say amen? And so we complain. You know what, pastor? I cannot motivate myself to pray. I cannot read the Bible. I, I, I feel, you know, dragging myself to go to church and be connected to our community. We struggle because on one hand, we want to draw near to God. And yet on the other hand, we cannot find the energy and the motivation to do so. Why? Because when you look at Jesus, there is no extra motivation when the Lord has been trying to tell you, Jesus should be your only motivation. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah, right? Maybe we have been conditioned like this. Our spiritual appetite has been ruined because we've been eating the wrong kind of food. And the wrong food that we always consume from this world usually are made up of these three ingredients. Money, sex, glory. You see that? MSG. <laughs> Money, sex, and glory. So to you, Jesus must equal, must lead us to more money. To you, Jesus must equal to more pleasure. To you, Jesus with no glory is not the real Jesus that I want to follow. You cannot accept Jesus alone is enough for me. How many of you can say amen? <laughs> so you will say, oh man, pastor, Jesus alone is not enough. The church, the service is too simple for me. The service has to be full of MSG, has to be full of decoration. And usually the kind of food that we consume that ruin our appetite are gold, girl, glory. Right? For us girls, goal, guys, glory. Self-fulfillment, self-realization, self-actualization. Everything that we do, we're doing it for ourselves. Or in today's term, social media, 
Netflix binging, and hedonism. Friends, if you have been consuming these food to satisfy your inner hunger, I want you to know these are not real food. These are what we call as junk food. Or what we call also as substitutes to real food. Not only it will ruin your appetite, it will make you sick. How it will make you sick? Your cravings, which is supposed to be healthy, will turn into addiction. Your desires for nice things become uncontrollable and it becomes greed. And aspirations that are healthy, supposed to bring you to a better place, become unrestrained ambition that enslave you and cause your freedom in Christ. Church, it is time for us to get back our healthy spiritual appetite. How many of you can say amen? Let's give God a big hand. Hallelujah. We need to stop eating junk food and start eating Jesus' kind of food. The kind of food that nourishes our soul in order for us to live a life of Christianity, vibrant Christianity. And what is the food that Jesus eats? How many of you want to know what kind of food that Jesus eats? Well, Look at John 4 verse 34. Right, over here it is very clear. Jesus told us what is his daily diet. John 4 verse 34. Can all of us read this verse together as an entire church? One, two, three. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Church, this is Jesus' three-course meal. Do you notice Jesus never go to buffet? He always maintained a consistent, healthy diet of a three-course meal. And what is the three-course meal? The first one, self-denial. Because he always do God's will instead of his own will. Number two, he always do things unto the Lord. And number three, he is always engaged with the gospel. He is always faithful to complete the work of the gospel. This must also be our spiritual diet every day. And it has to be done daily. You got to eat this daily. Number one, self-denial. Somebody say with me, self-denial. Church, the climax of self-denial and sacrifice that Jesus displayed was at the Garden of Gethsemane. Because as the second Adam, he came to make right what the first Adam failed to do in the Garden of Eden. But the amazing thing here is this. When Jesus chose, right, to do God's will instead of His will and to die on the cross, get this, Jesus chose with His human will to embrace God's divine will in total surrender. He didn't use His divine power to make His flesh obey God. But instead, like us, in our weakness and humanity, he was able to exercise self-denial and chose the cross instead of escape and convenience. Church, making such a difficult decision is very or extremely difficult in Jesus' name. It is very difficult. But how many of you know, this decision to ultimately die on the cross did not just happen overnight right there and then in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
you must know that the last 33 years, Jesus was already practicing carrying his little crosses daily to prepare him for the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And church, this is the lesson that we need to learn. Every day, Jesus has been practicing little sacrifices to prepare him to become the ultimate sacrifice for mankind. And those little crosses, those little sacrifices he made daily strengthened him on the inside, strengthened him mentally, strengthened him spiritually to the day when God said, it is time for you to go to the cross. Church, don't say that this example does not apply to me. Maybe you will be saying, Pastor, I don't think one day God will tell me to go to the cross. I don't think so as well. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. But one thing is for sure. One day in your life, it will require of you to make an ultimate sacrifice for the good of others or the sacrifice that will bring you to the next level. How many of you can say amen? Don't say that such a situation will never happen to me. In this world that we are living in, the world is not getting easier, the world is getting more and more difficult. More and more our faith will be tested. More and more people will be against our values rather than other kind of values. More and more your faith will be tested. You will be required to compromise one day in your job, in your work, or maybe in your surrounding. Friends, at that time, if you have not been preparing yourself to sacrifice for the good of others or to stand up for the faith of Jesus Christ, when that situation happens, it will catch you by surprise and you will cave under pressure. One day, somebody will ask you to give up your virginity, let's say, for example. Or else, you will lose me forever, <laughs> right? Not knowing that actually he's just trying, he's actually lusting over you, not loving you. At that time, are you willing to make your ultimate sacrifice to give up who you love for the truth of God? Listen, if we are not ready for all these things, one day it will come to us as a surprise. And right there and then, you will follow your will instead of God's will. Think about this. Even before Jesus' death on the cross, an event that has yet to happen. Yet, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he already was using the cross as a metaphor of self-denial. Look at what he says. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must, die de must deny themselves and take up the cross daily and follow me. Church, when you practice carrying your little crosses daily, it will prepare you one day to ultimately make the ultimate sacrifice on the cross. And friends, situations will happen to you. You, do not, you. you have no control over it. Wars will come. Situations will come. A threat will come your way. But if you have been making little sacrifices today, you are ready when it requires of you to make that ultimate sacrifice. But if you obey God, God will always bring you to the next level. Oh, come on, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. 
church, if you don't have good spiritual appetite, train your will to submit to the Spirit of God. And church, practice self-denial daily. And don't just do it during Easter or when you want God to do a miracle for you. Make it like Jesus, your life mission. Make it your daily diet that you are willing to practice self-denial instead of just self-pleasure. You know what? Try and practice it in your, in your, in your activities. Choose sacrifice over pleasure. To choose right over wrong. Don't just know what is right and wrong. Learn to practice choosing right over wrong. Who can say amen? amen. To go home and study instead of wanting to follow the crowd to play during examination. To exercise when the doctor say you need to exercise instead of lepaking. To stop looking at the phone while listening to sermon and choose to instead take down notes and listen to the Word of God and to pay attention and focus. Don't gravitate towards your flesh. Don't gravitate towards social media pressure. Wow, I want to know how many people have liked my post that I just posted one second ago. I want to know what my, you know, what my friends are doing in the social media. Practice self-denial in these little actions. Who can say amen? Listen, church, these little decisions that you make add up to prepare you for the ultimate sacrifice that is required of you one day to bring you up to the next level. And usually, like what Pastor Jeffrey Rahmat said, when God gives you a task, it is always a moment for Him to show you your potential. It is always for Him to take you to the next level. But it will require pain. It will require sacrifice. It will require of you resilience and persistence. But if you have been practicing that on your daily activities, you will not be surprised, but you will have the grace and you have the courage to make that sacrifice. And guess what? It will bring you to the next level in life. Come on, give God a big hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? Stanford psychology professor emeritus Philip Zimbardo argues in this article, Psychology of Heroism. He says this, to be a hero is someone who is willing to take a personal risk for the common good while others remain passive. How many of you agree with me that Jesus is our ultimate hero? He was willing to put aside his own personal risk for the good of many while others remain passive. And church, such a trait, such a virtue is necessary in today's day and age. Because, like for example, if you are in school, are you willing to stand up against bully? When someone is bullying your friends, to those who are weak, do you have the courage? Do you have the ability to stand up against injustice? No, to do that, it's not so easy. How many of you can say amen? But if in your daily activities, Right, You are already practicing self-denial. I can tell you this. For that moment, the grace of God will come upon you and somehow you have the audacity and the courage to stand up against injustice and you become a hero. So this professor said this. How do you obtain this kind of trait? He says, it begins from 
taking a little action day by day that makes the world better. How many of you can say amen? Starting with your family, starting in your school, your community, and ultimately your nation. If you practice self-denial daily, one day the ultimate sacrifice, you'll be able to do so and it will bring you to the next level in life. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. Amen. That is the first food that you must eat daily. Number two, doing all things unto God. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me. You know what, church? Because Jesus knew exactly who sent Him for this mission on the cross. He was fearless. And He's not easily influenced by public opinions, nor easily cave under human pressure. Because the only thing that matters to Him and the one sole factor behind His strength and courage is His love for the Father. He knows that He is doing things unto the Lord, not to, not to man. He is not a man pleaser. He is not easily influenced by what people say, by what people's opinion about Him, by popularity. Why? Because His inner strength is found in His love for God. He knows for sure that God loves him and he loves God deeply. Who can say amen? Look at John 8 verse 29. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone for I always do those things that please him. So the question is, what are you or who are you doing your things for? If you're always doing things for other people, if you're only doing things for popularity, if you're only doing things for your own self, I can tell you this, you will not be able to last the distance. Because the moment pressure comes in, the moment people's opinion are against you, you won't have the strength and the inner strength within to be able to stand up against those pressure. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He made it a point that all the time, he reminds himself that I live on God's approval, not on other people's approval. Every day he's telling himself that. Even when he's doing good things, he's telling him that. Even when he's doing bad things, ah, he never did bad things, sorry, amen, right? Even when he does things, okay, right, that people are opposed, he's not easily perturbed by what people's opinion about him. How many of you can say amen? Now, this is very important. Now, look at Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was asked by God to go and preach to the nation. And the task was this. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 9, 11. Alright, he said this. Isaiah, go and tell these people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Now, this is an impossible task. Because God spoke to Isaiah, I want you to go to the church, and every time when you are required to preach, you make sure that your preaching is so hard to understand, and people cannot understand. You make sure that when you preach, right, to the point that people cannot see your point of view. 
And you make sure that when you preach, your sermon is so hard to hear that people becomes dull of your hearing. They cannot stand hearing you. Make sure that your sermon is like that. Wow, church, how many of you agree with me? If you have a pastor like that, preaching in this church, how many of you know? One by one, the people will start leaving. And by Easter, we will not be celebrating the empty tomb. We'll be celebrating an empty hall. <laughs> how many of you can say amen? If I start preaching like this, one by one, people will start leaving. You won't be able to stand what I'm preaching over here. So Isaiah said, okay, la, God, maybe you're trying to test my patience. Maybe you're trying to do something here that I don't understand. So you know what he said? Okay, Lord, how long? So he said in verse uh, 11, then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined, without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. That means you preach until to the point that the last person left on this church cannot stand it anymore and this person will also leave. <laughs> until the hall is empty. Wow. Friends, how many of you know if I'm a full-time pastor and if this is God's task for me, how many of you agree with me? I don't think I can last any longer to continue my full-time ministry. I don't think I will continue my calling as a full-time preacher. Why? Because for a full-time preacher, for a full-time minister and pastor, the one thing that gets me going is what? To see lives transformed. To see people blessed by my sermon and by my, and by my ministry. But what if every single week, my sermon and my ministry have no result whatsoever? One day, I think I will come to the leadership and say, I don't think I can last any longer. Who can say amen? But this is exactly what God is trying to tell Isaiah. When you serve God, like me, a full-time minister, I get my strength from people's adulation. You know what? What's, why, why is it that I, I want to continue preaching? Oh, because I like when people clap when I preach. I like when people laugh when I preach. I like when people say, hey, Pastor, very good. <laughs> I like it, you know, right? When people say, oh, you know what? I really enjoy your preaching. <laughs> right? And you know what? By God's grace, let's say, uh, if one day, right, you are so popular to the point that each time you are featured in a conference, the conference is packed because you're so popular. Because what you preach, people like. You know what? When I look at all these results, it, give, it gives me the strength to keep on going. Even though I'm tired, I still show up. You know what many preachers will always say, right? You know what? I'm so tired today, but I show up for you. <laughs> but you know what? At behind the scene, inside his heart, he's actually waiting. Clap for me. Hallelujah, right? <laughs> you see, that's the thing. This is exactly what fuels us to serve God all the time. To continually serve God, we are depending on human fuel, adulation, popularity, clapping, very good, social media comments, very good. And you know what? You can't help but to keep on scrolling mindlessly how many likes I have 
from the code I just posted. Friends, I can tell you this. If this is your fuel to keep on going in ministry, you cannot last the distance. Because one day those opinions will turn and the same number of people who adore you will be the same number of people that will come against you. And you know what, friends? This is exactly what God is telling Isaiah. Until there is nobody else left. But yet, despite of this impossible task, God finally said and asked the question, okay, you guys know and am clear about the task, right? Whom shall I send? Who shall go before me to preach to the nation? You know what? Isaiah still say, here am I, Lord. Send me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Because to Isaiah, obedience to the Lord is more fulfilling than the thrill of reward from worldly success. Church, we have to come to this stage where our spirituality is fueled by pleasing God instead of getting rewards and the thrills of popularity and adulation from people or from outside success. Who can say amen? And you've got to train yourself every single day for this. That's why when you are, when you are successful, don't lose your head. Who can say amen? But when you are failing greatly, you are in the deepest valley. Don't lose heart. Always learn to abide in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the reason for us to be able to experience this characteristic, this spirituality. You need to train every single day in your spirit, man. This must become your diet, your healthy diet. That you are not dependent on people. You are not dependent on the world. The one and only person that matters to you greatly, that can only fulfill you, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And to obey is good enough for us. Because for Isaiah, obedience is more fulfilling than the thrill of receiving reward from doing his ministry. Come on, give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. <laughs> obedience to the Lord is more fulfilling. Then the reward of success. Can we make this a point that this becomes our healthy diet so that you and I will be strengthened on the inside like Jesus? Who can say amen? So you guys have eaten the appetizer, self-denial. You guys have eaten the main course, obedience, right? Should be your fulfilling, should, should be fulfilling to you enough rather than just getting the pleasures and the thrill of rewards. That is your main cause. And the last one, the dessert. Wow. What is the dessert? Be engaged to fulfill the work of the gospel. My food, said Jesus, is to finish his work. Finish his work. You know what, to illustrate this point, I want to share with you this testimony from a church member, Serene Ho. Her name is Serene Ho. Serene Ho has been in church and a Christian for a long time here in City Harvest. But recently, when she started to engage herself in missions, in the work of the gospel, she experienced a revival. Her spiritual appetite become healthy again as she started being involved 
to go to the mission. And she said this, I've been a Christian for 15 years and had become lukewarm. Even though I'm serving in church, serving has become a duty and I've become disengaged from the ministry. How many of you are like that currently in your spiritual life? Lukewarm, disengaged, doing things unto God is a duty, not a delight. I have become self-centered and concerned with how people would judge me for my shallow spiritual life. As a result, I would avoid moments when I had to pray in front of people and avoid any participation in spiritual activities. But things began to happen when I joined a mission trip with Missio Day out of a promise I made to God, which was to go to at least one mission trip a year. During the trip, I was assigned to do the closing prayer for one of the main services. I was so stressed. Instead of asking God to help me, I was asking God to tell my ministry leader to give this assignment to another member. Hallelujah. However, I had no choice. When that moment came, I had to take the microphone and surrender the rest into God's hand and pray. After the service, to my surprise, several members of the church commented that it was a very powerful prayer and that it was full of Father's love. I was shocked, but I know that it can only be because of God. It can only be God. After the mission trip, I sent my end-of-trip reflection to my cell group leader, who challenged me to step out to pray to overcome the issue. Henceforth, each time I was asked to pray, I remembered the prayer I made in the mission trip. Not to depend on myself, but to depend more on the Holy Spirit. And this exercise led me back to a closer relationship with the Holy Spirit. At the same time, I was intrigued by what the people meant when they said that my prayer was full of others' love. This is because I have never experienced God's love personally. I only know God in my head. Four months later, I decided to go on another trip. And in that trip, a lot of lies about God's love were broken. And my perception of God changed. Healing began to take place inside me from knowing the Father's love only in my head, it has now traveled down into my heart. This is truly what Pastor Kong said. Miss your day has led me to my Imago day. Last year, I felt a prompting to follow our ministry leader on all his trips this year. In total, it will be about 11 trips for me in 2023. Although I do not understand why God has called me, I can see God's hands and purpose slowly unravel before me as I obey and go for each trip. As I continue to abide in Him, I know that He will reveal more of Himself to me. And she said this, looking back, I'm thankful to God that He has not given up on me even when I had become lukewarm. How many of you know, even though you are so far away, God will never give up on you. He is always waiting for you to come back again to Him. Hallelujah. He says, as I heeded God's leading to serve in Miss Your Day, a whole new Genosco experience unfolded. And she said this, this is her words. I am excited again. I am alive again in God. How many of you want to be alive again in God? And you know what? She said, I am excited again. I'm excited to go to church again. 
I'm excited to come and serve God again. I'm excited to do things for Him. I no longer am excited when there are only MSG, when there are only foreign speakers, when there are only added things happening in the church. Then I'm excited. No. Every Sunday, rain or shine. Every Sunday, Pastor Aris or not Pastor Aris. Hopefully not Pastor Aris. They say, you know, right, but okay, right. Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Chin Sien, Pastor Chuang, Pastor Bobby, Pastor Kong, anyone. I'm still excited because I come to meet Jesus, not to meet anybody. Everyone, everyone. I'm excited. I'm excited to serve. I'm excited to go to community. I'm excited to go to cell group. Because in cell group, I'm here to meet Jesus. Friends, I'm excited again. And she said, I know the journey ahead is going to be so much more. And she said this word, I can't wait to theosis with God. Even her language changed. Now she wants to be in union with God because her spiritual appetite has been transformed. This weekend, she said, Pastor, I'm very sorry. I cannot be around in your service because I am away in Dampit in Indonesia with a total of 16 members. She is leading a group from Pastor Yalan's cell group, a group of young people, youth, who set aside their time. Holiday is next week, but instead of going to Wonderland, they decided to go to mission trip to preach the gospel. And she is the leader. I'm away in Dampit, Indonesia with a total of 16 members. And if I'm not wrong, uh, Pastor Yalan's daughter is there with her in the team as well. You know what, church? In this season of Lent, let's change our spiritual diet. One that is healthier, that will lead you to a greater spiritual nourishment. Stop feeding your carnal indulgences. Stop feeding your self-pleasure and start eating the Jesus' kind of food that will nourish your soul and your spirit healthily. Who can say amen? And you know, friends, what are the three-cost meals that you must eat daily? What are the three-cost meals? Number one, self-denial. Somebody say with me, self-denial. Practice it every day through your little, little actions areas of your life. Number two, learn to always do things unto the Lord. Be a God chaser instead of a man pleaser. Make it a point, your value. Obedience is more fulfilling than experiencing the thrill of the reward of that mission or the ministry. And last but not least, always be faithful and be engaging to the work of the gospel. Be a blessing to people. If you cannot go to the mission trip, your workplace is your mission field. Your school is your mission field. Your family is your mission field. Be a blessing to people all around you. Spread the love of Jesus Christ. And if you do it on a daily basis with your heart, your spiritual appetite will come back again and your soul will be fully nourished and you, will, you are ready to go to the next level of breakthrough in your spirituality. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. Come on, Sunday morning service. If you want your spiritual appetite back again, give God a big hand. Hallelujah. We hope you've been blessed by the message. If you have a testimony to share, write to us at connect at chc.org.sg.